Welcome again to another episode in our series where uh, we're talking with Pastor Jimmy Egan about lessons that he learned on sabbatical. Uh, my name is Luke Brodine, and I'm so glad to get to have this conversation again with Jimmy and that you get to listen with us. So Jimmy, um, last time we talked about church history, and that was one of your main goals, but um, you spent a lot of time uh, out in nature. And following you on social media, you covered a lot of ground. My feet were hurting just watching what you guys were doing. Can you give us just a brief overview of of what you covered in your time there? Yeah, so it was a little bit different from uh, some people's idea of sabbatical. Um, we, uh, Trisha and I walked almost 500 miles of uh, public footpaths in Great Britain, and uh, we had had some opportunities to do a little bit of that in the past, and had really enjoyed it. Uh, Trisha loves Andrew Peterson, his music and writings, and and uh, one of his books had talked a lot about this, and we thought, let's uh, let's be intentional about spending this time uh, to to get to get reacquainted with God's power and beauty. Uh, in the natural world. Yeah, and I actually just read that book recently that uh, you mentioned. It's called The God of the Garden, and he goes into a pretty significant background of uh, the public lands uh, in Great Britain. Can you give us just a couple of sentences on what, what those are? Because we don't have those here in America. Well, the first thing I'd say is, um, if, if anybody, you know, don't, don't think of me and Tricia as expert backpackers, um, this is not backpacking. So in the United States, if you wanted to walk, do a long-distance walk in a natural area, um, you would almost have to be backpacking. Uh, you would have to carry your food with you. There would be very few towns and places to stay. But in the UK, it's not like that. Uh, we could hike from town to town, uh, be in nature uh, every day, and, and yet have a place to shower and sleep in a warm bed and get a hot meal <laughs> at the end of the day. And we even hired a service to transfer our luggage from one place to the other. So we just had to carry our little tiny backpacks every day. Um, so it's kind of like you, you get the best of backpacking without all of the, the hardest things about wilderness camping. Um, and so we just got to spend all day, every day outdoors uh, and uh, really loved it. So Jimmy, give me... Um... Okay, I'm going to rewind just a little bit. I'm going to ask the geography question. Um, so, Jimmy, help me with my geography. In the last episode, we talked a little bit about Cornwall, but help me understand uh, where in Great Britain you spent your time. We traveled throughout the, the island of Great Britain a, a good bit and stayed with various friends that we have known in different capacities. But when we were doing these long walks, we were in... Uh, on three paths. The first we did was called the Cotswold Way. And so if you uh, find London on a map and go just a bit northwest of London, uh, we started in a small village called Chipping Camden and walked about 100 miles to Bath, or Bath as it's uh, properly pronounced. Um, And then our second walk was in Cornwall on the southwest coast path. So uh, we walked about 160 miles of that 650-mile path. We walked from uh, a castle known as Tintagel uh, to a small fishing village where we spent some time in the past called Coverack. 
And uh, then our, our third walk, so if, if Cornwall, that was extreme southwest England, our third walk was in the Dales Way, and, and it was not quite 90 miles. So this is James Harriet territory. If you uh, know uh, his books and, and his veterinary exploits, uh, we were walking in uh, some national parks up in northwestern England and getting almost up into to, to the border with Scotland. And we ended that walk, the Dales Way walk ends, uh, in uh, the Lake District, it's known as, uh, an, an area of incredible natural beauty. Uh, and we, so we, we walked from a village called Ilkley uh, to a town called Bonus on Windermere. It's one of, the, one of our favorite place names of, of all the towns that we went through on our trip. Wow, Jimmy, you covered a lot of ground in a very short amount of time, probably a lot more than I've ever covered in my life on, on foot. What were some of the deeper truths that God unpacked for you while you were out on foot? One of the things that we were trying to do on this entire sabbatical was was not just approach it as, you know, vacation, we get to go do fun stuff. It was incredibly fun. Um, but we wanted to always be open spiritually to what God was doing because the, the purpose is to come back here and be ready to go in ministry and um, our souls kind of reawakened to God's goodness. And so we were intentional about doing that each day. Uh, and we would, uh, as we would walk, we'd, we'd come through little villages, and almost every village had this little ancient village church. We'd stop and pray there. And many of the prayers were for walkers. And so we'd use the prayers they had there, which would, would be like, Lord, open our eyes to the beauty around us as we go through this day. Um, and so just pausing to soak that in and um we were doing everything at a walker's pace um life in a city like atlanta can happen very quickly and things can rush by so fast that you miss god's goodness you you don't even notice the things he's created around you when you take life in at the pace of a walker you you have to feel every pebble in the ground you have to feel every foot of rise up a hill and um, you feel how gravity works on the way back down the other side and just getting more in touch with the reality of of God's world at that slower pace was really good for us. What did you, in seeing all of that amazing creation, what... I mean, I'm having trouble even asking the question just because I'm picturing it in my head. where where you are and 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 bringing back those pictures that um, Trisha shared um, online, um, how do you even put that into words? We find that it, it doesn't work very well. That um, we can try to describe how beautiful something was. We can even show you a photo of it, and 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 it doesn't capture half of it. Uh, so when you come to a forest. That is where the floor of the forest is literally carpeted with wildflowers in bloom. Now, as, as someone who grew up in the southeast of the United States, forest floors are carpeted with poison ivy. <laughs> uh, and, and, and you can't even begin to imagine how glorious it is to see this, and let alone to see this for hour after hour, day after day. Um, and one of God's sweet gifts to us was the timing 
we were there at just the perfect time to see all of these wildflowers in bloom. And um, it, it was gorgeous and amazing. Our, our favorite place, though, in terms of the natural beauty during the entire sabbatical was Cornwall and walking along the coast. Trisha loves the sea, the ocean. I love mountains. And Cornwall is this rocky, craggy coast where we got the best of both worlds. And so we were a little bit afraid that doing that walk for three weeks, we might get tired of seeing the same thing every day. We never did. For one thing, you're not really seeing the same thing every day. Uh, the shape of the rocks is changing. The, uh, the makeup of the rocks, the, the kinds of wildflowers and what kinds of livestock and animals are in this region and that town. Uh, there was constant variety, but we just never got tired of it. Um, partly because, and Trisha does a much better job of crystallizing this than I do. She reflected on it really deeply, but, but this sense of um, as we were walking, the direction we were walking, the ocean was always on our right, which meant inland was on the left. And so on the right, you're looking out and seeing these fantastically shaped rocks and you're seeing the the waves crash over them and uh, we, we got to see seals and the occasional dolphin uh, we looked for uh, other animals we didn't didn't see some of the other things we were looking for but uh, you were constantly seeing God's power on a scale that's oceanic I mean you look for miles and the ocean never ends and then you look on the left and you see these tiny wildflowers growing everywhere and each little petal perfectly formed. And you see the rocks changing every 10 miles, the color of the rock, the pattern in the rock, and therefore the, the stone walls built to keep the animals in were built in different shapes and patterns because of the way the rock stacks differently. So there's this constant variety and, and detail and this sense that God is in it all, that he's in the, the powerful rhythms of the ocean. Um, at a scale that you can't imagine, and he is in the care for that little lamb on the other side of that fence, and he is in the growth of that wildflower with all its delicate petals. And, and, and I sort of think metaphorically that some of us personality-wise are always looking out to the ocean, and we see how big God is, but we forget that he is also caring for the small things, the delicate things, the details. And some of us are always with our, our uh, you know, we're facing the wildflowers and the little lambs, and, um, and we forget how big God is. And we were walking a path where if we were, if we were <laughs> looking ahead, we were always seeing both. And um, there's a psalm that helps you to capture that, Psalm 148. Um, it's, it's a psalm that calls us to praise God because he created everything. And if you read through the first 10 verses, you start on this macro scale. God made the angels in heaven. God made the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets. And then you work down to verse 10, and God made the creeping things, the little caterpillars and all the butterflies that we saw, and the birds and their nests and their babies. And he is the creator of all of that. Um, Easy to miss one end of that scale as we go about our lives. And we had kind of this three-week um, object lesson in uh, God's character being big and uh, you know, caring for even the smallest detail of the world that he's made.
Wow, that's great, Jimmy. The uh, the lessons that you learned there. Is there anything uh, else that you'd like to add about uh, your experiences on foot? Well, I would say um, one thing. We spent several days meditating on Psalm 23. And the reason was on the Dale's Way, we were walking by so many sheep farms. And, um, you know, I remember this one day where as there, there are just endless pastures on one side and, and sheep everywhere. And on the other side is this beautiful, clear uh, stream running. And, and we pause and we see this mother sheep lying down, nibbling some grass, and her two baby lambs are sleeping. And she just had this, now I'm not an expert on sheep, right? But imagine what a contented sheep might look like. That's how this mother sheep looked. And it was Psalm 23 just shouting at us and saying, oh, when a sheep lies down, it's because it feels safe and because it has everything it needs. And here's this mother going, I don't have to be afraid for my babies. Uh, I don't have to wonder whether where the next meal is coming from. I am literally surrounded by sheep food, <laughs> grass, green grass everywhere. There's this beautiful river and this sense of, of God's care for us and that he wants us to rest. And the way we rest is, is we know that he is going to provide us with everything that we need. Of course, I know the words of Psalm 23, but it was really sweet to have several days where we just couldn't stop thinking about that um, and, and just letting that image of him from Scripture resonate in our hearts. As we're wrapping up, um, I also know that you climbed a mountain in Scotland. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I did get a chance uh, to climb with several friends um, a mountain called Ben Nevis. It's the highest mountain in the UK. It doesn't sound very high by some standards. It's only 4,400 feet above sea level. But when you get to the top of it, uh, it's the highest point of land within almost a 500-mile radius. So you can literally see everything from up there. and again, God's kindness on this trip, uh, about 10% of the time you get to the top and you, you can see. 90% of the time, the top of Ben Nevis is shrouded in mist and fog, and it sounds like you think Scotland would. On the way up the mountain, uh, which is a five-and-a-half-mile uh, ascent, um, the top of the mountain was clouded in just thick fog. Uh, the group I was with, we sat down to eat lunch. By the time we got up from our lunch break, a wind came in and blew all the fog away, and we had this absolute clear day and could see forever, and the colors were so amazing. I got to the top. It's covered in snow year-round. I've never seen snow like that before. Um, And then as we started our way down, the the weather changed and the fog started rolling back in. So we had our window of of clear blue sky and uh, amazing traveling. Um, I was just getting over COVID at the time, and um, I wouldn't recommend climbing Ben Nevis after you've had COVID now that I've done it once. (laughs) So uh, the last two miles on the way down, the tank was pretty empty, and I, uh, I rested well that night. Jimmy, thanks for um, sharing with us about uh, all of the hiking that you did and and what God showed you in his wonderful creation. Um, And thank you for listening. I hope that you'll tune in with us uh, for the final episode.